Growing. Growing pain. Growing. Growing pain. Growing pain. Welcome to Growing Pains. Being successful and climbing the ladder of milestones and achievements is just a part of life. We all have to make choices when it comes to the things that we're choosing to be successful about. And when we choose a career path, especially one that is demanding and high profile or in a cutthroat industry, it can be really hard to find a balance between building your career and avoiding burnout. Our guest today is a successful businesswoman who has made a name for herself in the world of public relations. Working with high profile clients, she knows how fast paced life can get on the road to success. Though, she also has had her own first-hand experiences of what can happen to your body when you burn out. Angela Sobrano is a professionally trained PR consultant with over 15 years of PR and communications experience. She has gained invaluable experience and contacts throughout the industry and represented the biggest celebrities and brands within Australia, such as Steven Tyler, Mariah Carey, Backstreet Boys, Celine Dion, John Mayer, Guy Sebastian, The Foo Fighters, Olivia Newton-John, Justin Timberlake and John Farnham to name a few. Prior to opening Flourish PR, Angela was the National Publicity Manager at Sony Music and Sony Music Entertainment. At 28, she saw an opportunity to create a new school communications agency that was obsessed and addicted to results. Flourish was born in 2010 and has grown from a home office into a dynamic creative communications agency with a double warehouse based in Melbourne's creative hub of Collingwood. In 2019, Angela founded Marco & Co, a luxury candle and wellness brand inspired by Angela's horse, Marco. So, what can Angela share with us when it comes to success and balance And what advice does she have to lend when it comes to avoiding the pitfalls of when our bodies and brains burn out? Let's have a listen. Well, I have the pleasure of having someone that I actually class as a really good friend because I feel like I have spent so much time with you in lots of different capacities. But I have with me the wonderful Angela Sobrano, and it is such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have a chat today. Now, I know that you and I, one, could probably chat for days. Like, we might take a breath, but that would be about it. Um, And I know we could probably talk about lots of different things, but today we are talking growing pains. We are talking about that stage of life Mm -hmm. when you're stepping out of being a teenager, you're stepping into being a young adult and like the physical growing pains we experience as our bodies grow, We have a lot of internal, emotional, intellectual pains as well. I know a lot about your story because I've listened to a lot of your content and I've obviously spent some time with you personally, but I think you've got a really wonderful story to share and and hopefully we can dive in and and kind of learn a little bit about you. And before we do that, I'm going to throw some rapid fire questions at you. We can loosen you up a little bit. Yeah, but let's do it. So, do you consider yourself a grown-up adult? <sighs> yes. Oh, I think you're the first person that has said I yes. I am. 
Tell me why. Because I feel like I've always felt like a grown-up, grown-up, always. Like I've always wanted to be older. Like even when I was a kid, I always thought I was, you know, 30 when I was probably 13. Um, And it's probably probably not a great thing to be because I wish I had more fun when I was younger. So, yeah, I've always been that old soul um, with lots of responsibility that I sort of, you know, put on myself. So, yeah, I do consider myself an adult. My husband, on the other hand, no way. Like he is a child. Oh, my God. He's hilarious. Oh, I and he had the gall to tell you that you were dressed like your mum the other Did day. Did you hear that on my on my Instagram? Yeah, he was like, "That is an outfit that your mum would wear." So yes, I think that Don't, your mum's super stylish. Like, we need to give props to your mum, but I, I'm surprised he lived another oh, day. Absolutely. I mean, what the cheek of it? Just so rude. <laughs> <laughs> and then you had your friend saying it was very New York. New York running errands or yeah, something so like that. So we put him straight back into his box because then I, I work with a stylist in PR. We work with lots of stylists and this particular stylist is like the stylist to the stars globally. Like he is the best of the best. And he's like, I don't know what Phil's talking about. You look like you're just a girl in New York running around doing her errands, like very chic, very cool. And I was like, Phil, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Whilst being a grown-up adult. Exactly. I love it. What is your most embarrassing adult failure? Oh, adult failure. Do you know what? It's We're going to get deep and hard straight away, I reckon. Okay, tell me. I think it's not being able to get pregnant. I think that's my biggest like, yeah. failure, I think, as an adult. And it's yeah. embarrassing because, you know, I, if I had a dollar for every person that said, when are you going to have a baby? Like you, I've been married for mm. almost 12 years now you can mm. imagine how many times you know at yeah. events or family do's or whatever yeah. people ask that question yeah. and now that I have a bit of a fertility challenge on my hands it kind of I feel like is my biggest failure that I haven't been able to do that and sometimes you feel a bit broken in it but and mm. you get a bit embarrassed because it's not Phil's issue it's my issue so I think that went deep mm. fast didn't it yeah, it did kind of break my heart a little bit just then. But I know I know your story. And I one thing I do appreciate is how open you are with that journey because you are not the only one in that deep, deep hole of embarrassment and the shame and the guilt and the what's wrong with me and all of that stuff. And I, you know, don't get me wrong, my experience is very different to yours. I have um, I'm like ridiculously fertile. I'm like the person that just don't even sniff in my direction if I'm not on contraceptive. <laughs> But it like the, don't get me wrong, that gives that's a whole nother story of things that you need to be conscious of. But um, it's just really different, and it's a really different experience. And and then we have women out there that are choosing choosing not to have children, and they are being made to feel embarrassed, and they are being guilted. And like, yeah, yeah. we could do a whole nother podcast on that. But I'm going to ask you my next okay. question: um, Who is a more grown up adult that you rely on? Not feel obviously. Definitely not feel. <laughs> really good question gosh hmm that is a good question you know what I'd probably have to say Jackie and my team probably Jackie and my team she's a gun absolute (laughs) gun um and I was gonna say and she probably looks like the youngest person that we know because she looks like she's 12 something like she doesn't when you look at her properly but she's so petite petite and beautiful and youthful and yeah she is such an old wise soul and yeah I look to her for a lot of inspiration and grown-up advice (laughs) Love it. Go, Jackie. If you were to choose someone to play you in a movie today and then Ange in her, like, 60s, 70s, whatever, who would you choose? Oh, well, 
you know the girl from the notebook i love her what's her name um yeah i can't remember her name but i know who, you said the girl from the notebook everyone's gonna know she was in mean girls she as well, was right? she was but then i think her look sort of took on that bit more of a classic thing people say i look like rachel mcadams that's her name rachel mcadams uh, people say yes. i look like her all the time and i love her style mm-hmm. and i love that she's so like I don't know, she's so elegant in that she doesn't get caught up in that L.A. rat race, you know, and I feel like I can relate yeah. to that a lot having worked in the music industry and a very, mm-hmm. you know, interesting industry for a long time where I never really got caught up in all that rubbish. I just put my head down and did did the work, you know. I, love, yeah. I like her. I think she's cool. So what about Ange in her 70s? Oh, gosh. I don't know. That's a hard question. <laughs> it's rapid fire. Maybe, maybe off myself in my 70s because I'm, I think I'll need, oh, I'll need a job by then so <laughs> <laughs> oh I could see like a a you know a Meryl Streep or a, um, a someone oh, like that who she's a bot absolutely yeah let's let's go with that Meryl Streep I love her because <laughs> <laughs> it's that level of elegance whilst because I, I I just think you you do have a real kind of chic elegance about you and you keep it super real like when you're in your trackies you're in your trackies totally. you, you show that as well um but I think Meryl Streep would be that nice balance of boss yeah like, she's sort of scary people say that people yeah. say you're you are a little bit scary and I was like really I don't see that but um, mm. yeah. that's only because you're super determined but we'll get there we, we will let's dive in let's tell people more about you so I I remember the first time we kind of connected and I was like, whoa, Angela's like fully grown up adult in PR, like she knows her stuff. And um, you've had this incredibly impressive career. You now have two businesses. I think it's only two, correct me if I'm wrong, but two businesses under your belt. And um, you've had this really interesting but impressive career journey um so tell us how did you actually get to where you are today do you feel like there's been a really clear pathway for you Mm. well I think I always wanted to work in PR ever since I was 14 I think I knew that this was the path for me and the reason why I knew so young is because my dad had a fan we had a family business when I was young and I saw the positive impact that PR had on our tiny little family business and what it could do for business and so a lot of Times I say I'm not I'm not so obsessed with PR. I'm very good at PR, but I'm obsessed with business and I'm obsessed with what PR can do for businesses. Because I just I still remember being super young and my dad had an interview on a current affair and his uh, which is a big sort of um, you know news TV show um, and mm. it was they were doing very this was going back gosh I don't know 25 years or whatever and um, they were doing very it was kind of like the 60 minutes you know back then and it. And they did really positive, great pieces. And they interviewed my dad and profiled his business. And I have never seen a reaction like it. For the next month, our phones were just ringing off the hook and we had so many sales. And it really did take the business from, you know, I guess a nice, cute family business to that next level. And I was like, Mm -hmm. who who is this agency that you've got working for your dad? Like, what is this PR thing? And to have mm-hmm. that impact and be able to do that for different businesses so I think for a young from a young age that seed was planted and I thought mm, I, and mm-hmm. I saw how happy and how um 
how proud my dad was in that moment. And and I thought, oh, to be able to help other businesses and do this at scale would be really cool. So I think the, the seed was planted when I was really, really young. And then I got into music and boys, as you do. <laughs> um, and so then I thought, oh, I'd like to maybe do PR in the music industry or, you know, the entertainment industry. And then that means I can, you know, combine this ultra ambitious side of me into kind of what I really love as a passion which which was music or is music mm-hmm. um and so then I just started doing a heap of work experience um at different places the thing with me was I hated school so much rubbish at school no good at school mm-hmm. um I guess put into that category of having a learning disability from a really young age and so okay. I knew that I had to kind of make my mark in other ways I had to kind of go above and beyond if I wanted to make something of myself and so I was like okay well I'm just going to throw myself into work experience because for some reason when I when I could see it from a career perspective I was really good at it like it's it's sort of funny like I was terrible at maths terrible like I think one exam I maybe got like 17 percent in a in an exam like I was literally that bad with maths but if they gave me mass and they put it into an equation of, you know, profit and loss statements or it was in a business sense, I nailed it. I was completely mm. fine. Oh, so wow. It was all about Yeah, it was just the way that I learned and I was very visual but I had to be able to relate to it or see how it could benefit me in the long term. Um, but I just did mm. a heap of work experience because I hated going to school. So I kind of struck up a deal with mum and dad in the school and said, right, instead of going to that boring school camp that, you know, I went to a girls' school as well where everyone just sort of bitches to each other all week, um, I'm going to go and do something productive. And so I used to go to advertising agencies, record companies, publishers, whoever would take wow. me. And this is at like 15, yeah. 16. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, whoever would take me, I'd be on the phone just you know saying I'll come and make a cup of tea for you I'll like get the papers whatever you need I just want to soak up and absorb whatever is happening and so I guess from a young age I made a lot of contacts in the industry and um, Mm. and then that went on I went to university actually got into uni doing a bachelor of comms and then all whilst I was at uni I did more work experience working for nothing for a very long time Um, and then I eventually landed my dream job which was at BMG um, record company and then we merged with Sony Music and I was there for almost eight nine years and that's really where I learned my craft in PR and working with some of the biggest and the best um, musicians and artists and celebrities that you could think of, you know, ridiculous names. Like um, I'm on a private jet with the Foo Fighters or you're on tour with Justin Timberlake or you're working with Guy Sebastian every single day. Like really credible, amazing um, talent. And then that introduced me to a lot of uh, mainstream media and I created a lot of contacts through obviously working with the best the best in the business so I was really fortunate that you know to be able to have that position at such a young age and um, and I guess I knew what I wanted to do really young which is really rare a lot of young people know what yeah they do. it is yeah so I think um that kind of um encouraged me I guess just to work really hard because I knew what I wanted to do um and yeah. yeah it was it was great I was one of the youngest publicists that they'd ever had um I really mm. grew up at Sony. It was a hard place to work, I'll be honest. I mean, there's a lot of in the media at the moment. There's just Google it, it's an article. Yes. Yep. Um, don't have yep. to get into that. Not great PR for them Not right now. PR, no. <laughs> um, but, you know, I learned how to be the best in that environment as well, whilst it wasn't um, 
the most nurturing environment, I would say. I certainly learned how to grow a backbone and, and learn how to be strong yeah. and how to stand up for your talent and your celebrities to make sure that you got the best possible result because uh, I guess, you know, in that environment there was no other way. <laughs> yeah. So I have my next question for you. I'm genuinely really curious to hear your thoughts on this. We associate the hustle and sacrifice with success. Now, I know like you've just shared like how hard you worked, how much like how much you did for free, um, how many interns, like um, internships and things that you did. You were doing ridiculous hour days and that continued from like the moment you hit the ground to all your time at Sony, and I can, and I would assume it would be similar to even when you started Flourish, lots of long hours. Starting a new business is hard. Do you think that you can build, be it a career or a business, without the hustle? Hmm. Because we're like today we're talking burnout, we're talking all of the things, and I'm genuinely curious about shining this light on both paths because mm-hmm. you and I are at a point in our lives where if we want to clock off at five and our team go- are going to do X, Y, Z, we've built enough, we've done our hustle yeah. and I can say, taking the weekend off, going to turn my mm-hmm. phone off. I can do that. You can do that sometimes. Sometimes we can't and I know we can't, but I've done the hustle and I've done the 14-hour days and stuff. You've earned the right. Do you think it can be done? <laughs> I've thought about this a lot. Because it's something that I've often asked myself because I sit where I am today and I think, oh, at what cost? You know, like I've worked so hard and mm-hmm. I've sacrificed a lot in terms of friendships, mm-hmm. um, missing out on key events like, you know, weddings and family activities and maybe missing the boat in terms of having a baby because I've been so career orientated. Yeah. And so I do sit back mm-hmm. and say, at what cost? But I truly... This is a hard one because I don't want to put the wrong message out there, but I also think there needs to be a reality check as well for a lot of young people that want to start their own business because entrepreneurship is really sexy at the moment and social media has made it look and like it's super glamorous and they've glorified it. I personally don't think you can do it without the hustle, especially in those, those early days. Business is hard. Setting up a business is hard. Most of even your career, yeah. like even forging your way in your career path, if you you don't want to be your own boss, but you want to be the top of yes. X. If you want a career, and I said this actually to one of our um, interns the other day, I was like, you're at, if you're if you're interning or you're just starting your career, now is the time to make the decision. Do you want a career or do you want a job? You know, because a job. That's cool. If you just want a job, a job is a nine to five where you clock on, clock off. You don't have any kind of like strong desire to really go for it and be the best in your field, you're there, middle management perhaps, or you're just there um, to, you know, fulfil a role basically. Um, And that's fine. Some people don't want the career. Some people literally want the nine to five and then they build this wonderful life outside the nine to five, you know, because they can do that. But I think if you want a career, I think in those early, those early years, you know, of your 20s you got to go for it because the competition is fierce mm. it's hard um and if you want to be the best at something you got to work at it and go really really hard and yes that does take sacrifice um i have learnt over the years i think through 
ridiculous burnout that you do need time to sort of break and stop. And I think that's what I never did in my 20s. And so I ended up getting really sick in my 30s um, for it. So I think if I had my time again, like I'd be smarter about it um, and take that time to kind of replenish a little bit. But I think I don't think you get success or or have um, or reach those ambitious goals within your career without the hustle. Unfortunately, I wish there was another way, but yeah, I haven't seen it modeled yet. And, model. and don't get me wrong, this really does tie back into that theory of mastery in the sense that you got to do the hours to be the master at whatever. And though there's some debate around the theory of mastery as well, mm. I believe that there are to be the best you often have to have a certain amount of hours in the bank of your practice, your crafting, your skill and your artwork. And though that can translate to hustle, I think it's also we definitely live in a world today where even the term mental health is a Mm. thing. Um, Wellness is a thing. Um, You and I didn't, you know, in the 90s and early 2000s, we weren't talking about that. We were just getting on with it and we were trying to break away from the I start a job and I stay there for 30 years so we were trying to break that Mm -hmm. model let alone um it trying to think about our mental health and wellness which was not in our language so I think maybe though (laughs) you and I both agree I haven't we don't have the modeling of what the anti-hustle yeah early career because I am trying to think of like everyone that I know that's kind of top of their field super successful they've all made ridiculous sacrifice and I don't know like whether you agree with this but I feel like it's also a very lonely place I think I think Mm -hmm. with with this life that we've chosen we've chosen a career we've chosen to have our own businesses or you know just chosen to be very good at what we do um the Mm -hmm. sacrifice and you know like I think it's it's actually lonely I feel lonely a lot of the time because you can't talk yeah. about certain things with your employees that the business is facing or the challenges you've got to be a leader uh, and lead with yeah. with strength you know and so um the person that I turn up to at the office is sometimes a very different person to who I am at home you know so yeah, yeah it, it takes a lot but I think now I start asking myself okay yes I can go and start a branch in New York if I want to but at what cost and I never asked myself that question before but I think it's important one. yeah yeah Yes, even, and don't get me wrong, like we understand that that is an important one even at that early stage in your life or your adult life, but I think your point around is this a job or is this a career and you can also pick that concept up and then move it and frame it to the concept around am I going to create a business to create a job for myself or am I going to create a company that sits in a legacy that sits outside of me? Same same concept. Um, is this something I want to do nine to five or is this, um, you, you know, do I just, do I want to create an empire? And like, you know, the, what does that look like? So, okay, well, we don't have all the answers, but we got it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's good to have the chat about it. I'm still thinking on that question, though. I could change my mind. It's not set in stone. <laughs> That's okay. We're allowed to change our minds. It's the joys of being an Absolutely. adult. Like, not many people tell us what to do no. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so you've personally had that experience of burnout mm. and that is 
you know, was really front of mind for me as I was thinking about what we wanted to chat about today. And that is the cost. Mm. That is the cost of the hustle and it's impacted your health. You've talked very openly about your fertility and being like, you know, we physically as women have our bodies tell us, it's time, it's time, it's time, I have a baby. And then if your brain is going, but I need to go to that meeting, I don't have time for a baby. Um, yeah, it's it's really hard. Uh, like our bodies are constantly fighting with the hustle. So can you tell us a little bit more about what happened um, when you did have your burnout and you know how that impacted your health and, and I guess what you learned from that experience? Yeah, for sure. So I think I was about 34, 35 when I had a full-on burnout moment, um, working way, way too hard, um, just burnout. Were you still at Sony at this time no. or was that? So I had moved on by that stage and I had started my own agency um, and had a lot of, you know, incredible clients. We're very blessed that we have the most amazing clients, um, you know, and I always, I'm a, I'm a, just an over, I like to under-promise and over-deliver. So I want to give them mm-hmm. the best and the most every time. You know, if they're paying me for 10 hours of my time, I'll give them 30. It's just, it's just in my DNA, you know. Um, and we always go above and beyond. And, yeah, I think my health suffered from that because just burning that candle at, at both ends. And I remember I was on, I was doing, I was travelling around and I was with Olivia Newton-John actually at the time. Um, she was out doing some things and I was working with her and I just I felt really unwell and I knew something wasn't quite right um, and up really early on flights or whatever and coming back from Byron Bay, um, we were doing some stuff up there for 60 minutes and I was just felt really wrong, like something was not quite right um, and then just, you know, pushed through because I thought, oh, I'm, I'll be fine, I'll be totally fine. And I knew I wasn't because I felt really unwell, but just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and to the point where I was so unwell, I couldn't get out of bed. Um, my temperature was ridiculously high. I was starting to hallucinate. Um, Phil had to call my mum over because I refused to go to the hospital and then she talked some sense into me. So off I went to hospital um, and ended up having pneumonia in both lungs. And because I had left it so long, my temperature was so high that my organs were starting to shut down. Um, And so I ended up in Epworth Hospital for about a week um, and all my devices got taken off me and they said, actually my lung specialist said, you know, he said, I see this all the time. He said, yes, you have pneumonia in both lungs and this is very dangerous and had you have left it another day, you would would be dead. Um, He said, Mm -hmm. but I I see this a lot and I call it the entrepreneurial disease and I Oh God! Like what? What do you? Why do you call it that? And and he was like, well, "It's like because we're all crazy and we will push ourselves till our bodies collapse." Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what he said. And uh, and he's like, "If you were, you know, any older than what you are, like you're a goner. Like you have to slow down. You have to stop. Like how much sleep are you getting? And obviously not enough. Um, and just so a lot of questions around health and well being were being asked. And I was a bit cagey about it. And I remember we had a massive event that we were working on, Cirque du Soleil. Um, And I was like, oh, gosh, like it was such, I remember the feeling and the thought process was like this is such an inconvenience, like I don't have time to be sick. 
I've got an opening night in three nights. Like I just need my laptop and I'll be good. Anyway, so negotiated a little bit and, and had to hand over a lot of stuff. But I just had really some hard conversations with a lot of doctors during that week going, yeah, got to stop. Like, this is ridiculous. We're going to see you in here, you know, in two more weeks um, and you're not going to be let out if you don't show us that you're going to make some changes. This is serious. Um, And so I was like, okay, they kind of scared me a little bit. Um, And so then I had to get myself together and go, okay, I can't maybe work like this forever anymore or I can't work in this way. I have to do it some different way. And, um, yeah, that was sort of, I guess, the catalyst of of things that had to change and, and then I did start to make some changes and do some soul searching around that time because I was like, well, I remember actually a client of mine and it's so great when you get um, pieces of advice from clients because it shows you how much they actually care and, they, and she just said to me, she's like, Ange, like, am I going to be holding your hand at 80? Like, are your clients going to be by your bedside holding your hand when you're 80? And I said, no. They said, she said, so why are you sacrificing your life and your health when we're not even going to be around? Like, you know, like we're not going to matter in the long term. You need to focus on your health and your family because that's who's going to be by your side. And I'll be that's was a good like, client. Wow. I'm just a good person. Okay. Can we yeah. get a deadline on, on this project then? <laughs> you know, can we move a little? <laughs> can we go back to work now? Um, <laughs> but what a great, it was just such a great piece of advice. And I always think back to that. Um, and so I just was like, right, things have got to change. I can't do this. I'm not going to be any good for my team because I'm tired and cranky all the time. And I've got no time to be creative. And so, you know, you're just on that rat race, you know, and going around um, the wheel and, just had to make changes and it's funny I made a lot of changes in terms of health I found a hobby which I never had hobbies outside the mm-hmm. workplace and that's when I fell back mm-hmm. into horse riding because I remembered that I loved that as a kid and I think when we get stuck in those ruts um, through these periods of growth um, I think you have to what helped me was think back okay well what did I love and what brought me joy when I was a child because that's like your innocent state you know or your natural state and I was yeah. like horses I loved going to the country and I loved horse riding and so actually Phil just encouraged me and my husband to get back into that and yeah I haven't looked back I just now it's like my non-negotiable where I have to get out and you know have a hobby and go riding every week and it really has changed my life in a lot of ways and I think COVID taught us everything that we just have to slow down. Oh yeah yeah for anyone who hadn't had an experience like yours um, COVID very much taught us mm-hmm. that if anything else there's a lot of lessons that we picked up in 2020 and have continued to pick up because COVID's not going away anytime soon unfortunately um so in addition to that kind of tuning into the joy of like when you felt maybe at peace or something like from your childhood or whatever it is in your case you've you tuned into something pretty quickly are there any other strategies that you now use to look after yourself or um, that you'd suggest that other people could potentially try? Yeah, I think it's the boring ones that we all know about and that we always, when we, <laughs> we let them drop off, you know. Um, big thing for me is hydration water. Like I never used to have time to drink water. It's so simple. Mm-hmm. Um just drink more water and you'll feel better. I always used to have a headache. You know, I'd be at my computer and I'm like, why have I got a headache all day, every day? Because I was dehydrated. Drink more water. Um, first tip, more water. <laughs> Second tip, exercise. Like if you just, you've got to get outside your head, you know, but actually mindfully exercising as well. So when I'm exercising or going for a walk or taking the dogs for a walk, 
I used to think about work all the time, like how are we going to solve this thing? Now I'm like, no, I go for a walk and I'm actually looking at trees. I'm looking at houses and I'm just seeing things for what they are. So I can actually feel like I'm I'm in that present moment um, and being more mindful and getting into that space. Meditation has helped me a lot and it was something that I really struggled with. I used to giggle my way through it and think it was ridiculous um, because I couldn't calm down and be still. Because your brain was like, what about that meeting? At two o'clock today. I'll just send a text during this <laughs> during my meditation. <laughs> like so funny. Um, and you know, it's it's looking after your health comes first. I think you, you know, and I think now I've sort of reframed my mindset that actually rest is part of the work. And I keep telling myself that all the time because if I'm not rested and I'm not looking after myself, then my business suffers because I had to take almost six months off to fully recover from pneumonia because it's it, I was in such a bad place health-wise. Um, I couldn't walk up steps. Like it took me a long time to get my strength back. And yeah, that t- was a massive cost on the business financially, um, but also for my team yeah. as well. So rest is part of the work when you're in this kind of um, privileged position I think of being at the top of your game Mm, yeah it is it's definitely is and I think we all find our ways of finding our strategies that work for us and finding ways to make sure that we implement them but it's in the doing it's actually making sure that you do the thing that you know that makes you feel better and and helps you switch off that's a big part of it. being mindful of as well. Like what are you consuming? Like from a physical point of view, definitely, like what are you putting in your body, food? Are you nourishing yourself? But also what are you consuming mentally? Like are you sitting? How dark? Have you noticed this? How dark is everything on Netflix? Like everything's just so gloom mm. and gloom and it's like there's not many positive. Yeah. I only, like my main go-to on Netflix is cooking shows. Oh. I watch cooking and travel shows. It's all I seem to watch like, and it's funny because it just keeps giving me more suggestions. I think I've actually almost run out of most of the cooking shows on Netflix. I've watched nearly all of yep. them. And now I'm down to like things like the ones that I don't like. So the more reality mm-hmm. TV show ones where they pit people against each other. That's not my style. I'm talking like cooking, just like, and I don't need to know how they cook the thing. Like they just travel somewhere, yeah. they speak to a chef or they make something interesting. That's the stuff I consume on Netflix because one, it makes me feel like I'm traveling and eating, <laughs> which I can't do right now. But two, yeah, there's a lot of, there's, there's, there's just dark stuff everywhere. Same with social media yeah. though. Who are you following on your feed? Who do I follow? Do you feel better when you see them on your feed? And if you don't. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like just you've got to be really conscious of what you're consuming because I know you go down that rabbit hole. I still do for sure. Like I'll see people on social that trigger something and I just go, no, just going to unblock it. Doesn't always happen. But if I'm in that positive mindset, I'm like, no, I'm feeling really good at the moment. You have to implement that discipline and be really um, aware of it and go, no, don't want to consume this because it's going to make me cranky. (laughs) <laughs> love it all very very good tips and easy ones to yeah. implement now you've already mentioned horses but please 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 tell us about marco and co your beautiful second business and of course why marco and co tell us about your horses. yeah marco and co well that was born after my burnout because i felt like every time i'd speak to like I love that you had a burnout and was like, I'll start a new business. I know. It's so, so what? What? It's so ironic. I know why. It's fine. I'm literally just teasing, but most of us will be like, yeah, that makes sense. You didn't learn your lesson at all. You're mental. I know. Well, 
Yes. So had the burnout, <laughs> did that, and then fell in love with horse riding again. And when I'd be on these rides, uh, I would, like trail rides, like beautiful trail rides in nature, like it was something that I hadn't experienced for a very long time. And then I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great if I could bottle these scents up that I'm enjoying? Like, so, you know, the beautiful mountain scents that I'm smelling from all the pine trees that the trails are are going through or the ocean ride, you know, um, the ocean scent that you have when you're cantering along a beach. And so I wanted to bottle up all those scents. So through my love of horses and and my, my horse Marco, so the company is called up is named after my horse Marco, Marco and Co. Um, I thought, well, I'll just create candles, and it's not so much about being a candle business or you know a luxury. They're beautiful luxury candles. Um, I think it's more about having a business or a wellness business that creates a platform to talk about wellness and slowing down. Because I think there's a beautiful ritual uh, when you light a candle that things just naturally kind of slow down, or it represents okay, now I'm going to switch off. The candle has been lit. It's time to just like wind down, slow down disconnect from your day and yeah so I think Marco and Coke just created a beautiful platform to have those conversations that inspiring busy people that rest is part of the work and you know the products that we produce for Marco and Co um, are products that will help you be reflective and also restful as well so yeah it's a it's a real passion job and um, and little wonderful side hustle that I'm very passionate about I love it it's so much fun. Now, if you're a listener and you're like, oh, candles, I love candles, um, we will make sure that all of the details, all of Angie's details um, in general, but definitely um, the ones in regards to Marco and Co will also be in the show notes. So I personally have um, purchased many a candle from Marco and Co and gifted many a candle and your journal. You've got a gratitude journal, which is beautiful. Um, I've gifted that to a few people as well. And um, oh, my goodness. The scents are amazing. Like I just, and then I also learn a lot when I follow you on socials or follow Marco and Co on socials. I had a conversation with my husband the other day because he'd bought a candle from somewhere and then I was like, make sure you burn it all the way to the edges because that's not good candle care. And he was like, candle care? What the yeah, hell? Candle etiquette, it's a thing. It's a whole thing. thing, absolutely. Otherwise you won't have a nice clean you know, uh, burn on your candle and then you waste parts of your candle that, you know, you know, that tunneling effect. You have, you light a yeah. candle and it tunnels. And I was like, why does this happen? It's because yeah. you've got to let it burn. It's candle care. You'll learn all about that when you follow Marco and Kate. Right. And you'll get to see, you know, Angie and her beautiful horses and all of that sort of stuff. So it, it, just the feed makes Aww. you feel good. So that's one of the things you can look at to make oh, you feel well, good. That, so that makes good. me feel good that it's helping others feel good too. Yeah. <laughs> like so many people have said I've taken up horse riding again because I loved it oh, and wow. that brings me so much joy like I've just oh they'll yeah. all the last like where can I go horse riding in Australia where do you recommend and seeing people get back into oh, it all, finding a hobby at a later stage in life I just think that's a wonderful mm-hmm. thing I'm trying a new hobby tomorrow actually mate I'm a very kind of OCD person so maybe this will become my new thing I'm going and getting surfing lessons tomorrow so who knows I might have a whole new Oh, so you are going. Yeah, I saw the practicing the pool yep. thing, which made me giggle so hard because it was the best in your wetsuit. Are you going to I'm going Urban to Surf? Urban Surf tomorrow and I've booked a one-on-one lesson because my husband's a surfer and I'm sick of sitting on the beach watching him when we're in Hawaii. I'm like, yeah. I'm yeah. going to get out there and give it a go because I never 
Love that. Yeah. I never would have done that when I was younger because I would have been too insecure about my body or, you know, the silly stuff that you go through as a teenager or in your 20s. And I was like, I'm in my 30s now. I don't care. Just give it a crack. Have fun. Yeah. Yeah. So for those who are listening, it doesn't matter if you're listening and you're in your 20s or you're a teenager or you're in your 40s or 70s, go take surfing lessons if that's what you want to do. Just have a do crack. it. Life's too short to be too swept up in. Life's too short to only do the hustle. Really that's that's what I'm I think thinking. so too. And it makes you like a more interesting person. How boring I was for so many years just talking because <laughs> you didn't it doesn't sound like you went to any of your friends no, things you were just the person that worked I remember yeah. <laughs> your story resonates so much with me and I when I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue I told my um my GP I was like I don't have time to have chronic fatigue so how can we like wrap this up quickly <laughs> that was and she just looked at me started laughing and went how did I know you were going to say that it doesn't work hmm. like that Caroline <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and she was in hospital. <laughs> but let them learn. It just took us a little bit longer to learn. Yeah, exactly. So in wrapping up, I'm really curious to hear, with everything we've discussed and your insights of the world as you are now in this latest stage of life, what piece of advice would you give to your 18-year-old self? What would it be? Mm, have more fun. Have more I grew up way too quickly, too much responsibility. You know, when people leave school, so many of my friends went travelling overseas at 18 and this had the time of their life. I so wish I did that. I just didn't. I just thought I had to get my career started. My career had already started at 18 anyway. I was working when I was younger. But, um, yeah, have more fun, you know, and don't date dickheads. <laughs> Definitely don't date dickheads. How would you that's a whole nother podcast episode. We've got like four podcast episodes that we need to have after this one because, wow, that is a whole nother conversation. I would literally just get like a room full of women or men or anyone just because dickheads, anyone can be oh. a dickhead. But, yeah, wow, whole nother that's, conversation. Yeah, it's another whole. But most 18-year-olds need to be told not to date yeah, dickheads. Cause that's right. Um, don't <laughs> date dickheads. There you go. <laughs> so Love it. <laughs> Like drop on that one for sure. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, it has been such a pleasure to chat to you today. I know that our listeners will have lots of giggles as we're giggling and also just lots of aha kind of insights. Um, as I said, if you want to connect with Ange or follow any of the things that she does or see when Phil thinks that she's dressed like her mum or whatever it is, um, check her out. You can follow her on socials and we'll put everything in the show notes. Ange, it's been oh. a pleasure. Thank you. It's so lovely to have a chat and, um, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. And to our listeners, we will chat to you again soon on the next episode of Growing Pains. Wow. I always really appreciate when our guests are just super vulnerable and honest with us and I, you know, I really appreciate the fact that Ange talked about her fertility journey the things she's learned, the things she's sacrificed. And I kind of wish we had the answer for you um, when it comes to do you do the hustle and can you avoid burnout? Because we genuinely don't know if we have the answer, but I think there's definitely something in that listening to your body piece. There's definitely something in the making sure that you're looking after yourself. Um, but there is a little bit of sacrifice that comes with that mastery piece of doing the hours and if 
you want a career or you want your own business versus a job or finding creating a job for yourself as a sole trader as an example sometimes you got to put in the hours and and we wish it was different but at this stage we haven't seen it modeled thank you again for tuning in to growing pains i hope that you've enjoyed today's episode and we will chat to you again soon